I have a really special Christmas message tonight. I'm going to be talking about the shepherds, and the shepherds are a key part of the Christmas story. But instead of me reading the scripture passage, I'd like you to watch this video. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So tonight I want to ask and answer a question that I found myself asking as I read this Christmas story. Why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? Why were they the first people to find out about the Savior's birth? You know, if you think about it, it seems kind of random that these guys in a field were the ones that were revealed the promise of the Messiah first, the ones that got to gather around that manger and worship him. Um, I believe that God revealed himself through the shepherds. I believe that the shepherds teach us a lesson, actually several lessons, about who Jesus is. And I want to share some of those things with you tonight. So I'm going to give you four reasons why shepherds tonight. And the first one is maybe the simplest, and that's that shepherds remind us of the humility of Jesus. Shepherds weren't just a poor and unimportant people group. Many believed that they were actually a despised group of outcasts. Uh, Aristotle, the, the ancient philosopher, said this about shepherds. The laziest are shepherds who lead an idle life and get their substance without trouble from tame animals, their flocks wandering from place to place in search of pasture. They're compelled to follow them, cultivating a sort of living farm. Another scholar said this, shepherding had changed from a family business back when uh, David uh, was alive to a despised occupation. In fact, the rabbis considered them to be religious outcasts. 
so much that their testimony wasn't even admissible in court. They were a group of people uh, who were the last ones to be expected to, to have this incredible promise revealed to them. But the thing about Jesus is he was a humble king. In fact, he was the most humble. His life would be marked by humility. Let me give you a few examples of that. He was born in a stable to a poor carpenter. He lived as a homeless man for three years. Uh, his coronation riding into Jerusalem was on a donkey. And perhaps most significantly, the night before his betrayal, he took the role of a servant and he washed his disciples' feet. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The shepherds were a picture of the humility of this king. He wasn't coming in glory and in honor. He, there was no great fanfare. There was no jubilation. It was a simple birth in a stable. Second thing that the shepherds teach us is they remind us that Jesus is the good shepherd. A few years ago, I visited Bethlehem and I got to see the place where Jesus was born. And as we were driving out of the city, after we had left seeing all the sights, we saw shepherds on the hillside with flocks of sheep. It was a surreal moment. I, I couldn't believe what I was saying. I looked at I'm like, oh, there's actually shepherds in the hillside in Bethlehem with, with real sheep out there. But they're not like wearing biblical costumes like you'd expect. They're wearing jeans. I'm like, this is, this is so strange. <laughs> And there were power lines overhead. I'm like, this is like the collision of two worlds. I wanted to take a picture, but I couldn't get my phone out fast enough. We were on the bus, and it was gone before I could. But the shepherd uses a tool. Even to this day, a shepherd will use a crook. Now, they're usually made of metal today instead of wood, but this is pretty much what this shepherd's crook would have looked like. Now, I tried to find one made out of olive wood because that's the tree that's most uh, common in uh, Israel. Couldn't find that online, at least for less than $500. So, <laughs> so I got one made out of good old oak instead. But it would have served three purposes. It would have served as a walking stick. These were steep hillsides, rocky terrain, and they would be moving around with the sheep in these areas. And, and so they would need something to help them keep their footing. And then the second thing is it would have served as a weapon to protect against predators and thieves. So if a wild animal were to attack, this would be something they would use for defense. Or if somebody would try to steal their sheep, they would have it for that. But then finally, there's a hook at the end. And this hook would be to rescue sheep who had fallen. And they'd hook them either by the neck or by the leg and pull them up to safety as well. I'm going to pass this around so you can take a look at it. It's the shepherd's most important tool. You know, Jesus said that he's our good shepherd. In John 10, he tells us that he's our protector against the thief. He says that his sheep know his voice, and he calls them by name and leads them out. Psalm 23 tells us that 
that our, our Lord leads us by still waters, that he comforts us, that he restores us. Luke 15 tells us that he pursues the lost sheep until he is found. The shepherd is a picture of the selfless and sacrificial love of the Savior. That's another reason why the good news was revealed to shepherds. The third thing is that the shepherds remind us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He said, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Passover was a celebration of the angel of death passing over homes of the Hebrew families in Egypt. In fact, at our Good Friday service this year, we talked about the significance of Passover and the representation of ultimately how it pictured Christ on the cross hundreds of years later. It was the blood of the lamb smeared over the doorpost that would indicate that this home was to be spared. And Jesus in that same way, offered his blood as our Passover lamb so that the death, the eternal death that we deserve would pass over as we apply his blood to the doorpost of our life. Now, I want to tell you something. I so badly wanted to have a baby lamb here tonight. I even made a few phone calls. Apparently, it's not that easy to find a baby lamb on Christmas Eve. I would have let the kids pet it, and then I would tell you that as a demonstration, we were going to sacrifice that lamb right here. And after the horror and shock of that uh, came to an end, <laughs> I would have told you that I was just kidding. Uh, that would have been great, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, until the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, the practice of sacrificing a lamb during Passover was done regularly by families that could afford it. Now, shortly after Jesus died, that practice came to an end. Uh, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, and ultimately there just weren't enough sheep for everyone to sacrifice. So there was a special dispensation that they no longer had to do that. Isn't that fitting that after Jesus came and offered his life as the sacrifice once and for all, that all those Passover lambs were no longer required. They didn't even know it, but they were, they were speaking prophetically about what Jesus had done. The perfect sacrifice gave his life once and for all, and now animal sacrifice is obsolete. Last one is this. The shepherds remind us of the righteousness that Jesus gives us. Now, two years ago, uh, I talked to, about the picture of snow, how it reminds us of God's forgiveness. And maybe you remember that we sang, uh, Jesus paid it all, and he washed us white as snow as we had fake snow falling from the ceiling, and all the kids ran up front, and, and uh, it, was, it was quite the scene. It was, I'll never forget that moment. Um, and this was a picture from the prophet Isaiah. It says, our sins will be made white as snow. And then he goes on to say something else, that they'll be made white like wool. Here, let's, let's read it together. 
Isaiah 1:18 Come now let us reason says the Lord though your sins are as scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they're red like crimson they shall become like wool Now wool was a valuable item back then in fact it still is to this day it was the primary material used for the outer garment of clothing in Jesus day and the first fruit of wool was to be offered to the priest it was an offering that was given, and the law also prohibited the wearing of a garment of wool and linen mixed together. Wool was a special fabric. And so, even to this day, wool is, is still prized and treasured. Have you heard of cashmere before? Right? Cashmere is the wool of a cashmere goat. I bet you didn't know that. I, I just learned that, right? <laughs> All I know is it's expensive, right? <laughs> um, the Passover lamb, the one that was offered on behalf of the family, had to be a lamb that was spotless. And Jesus was the ultimate Passover lamb that was offered. He was free of defect, free of blemish. He was the only human to ever live a sinless life. It was the reason that his sacrifice meant something for us. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we're forgiven and that we're made righteous. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4 says it this way. For since the law has been but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." See, the problem with these sacrifices that God's people would offer, they were mandated by the law, but they were only able to cover sin temporarily. It was great for God's people because it allowed them to have a relationship with God. It allowed that separation, that barrier to be lifted for a time so that God could interact with his people, that it made them approachable in that way. But it was only a temporary fix. And this is what happens when we try to save ourselves. We, we try to fix our brokenness. It's the same problem. We can cover up the sin that, that is harming us, the sin that is pulling us away from God. But in reality, we know it's still there. We try to fix our brokenness. Have, have you ever smelled a teenage boy who tried to take a bath in Axe body spray? Oh, you all are chuckling because you know, okay? They think that if they spray that whole can, they'll smell wonderful, but what they really need is a shower. Right? I can say that because I used to be one of those teenage boys. We as Christians get really good at hiding our sinfulness. We can dress it up so that no one really knows what's going on underneath. 
Now, several of you have commented uh, that I looked very nice, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I have a, a little secret. It gets worse. pretty easy to hide from people what's going on underneath. And we as Christians can be awfully good at hiding our flaws and our failures. And no one knows what's really going on on the inside. But deep down in our heart, we know what's under there. And the weight of that sin is crushing us. And Satan's doing our best to remind us of all our failures. These words that are written on my shirt are the words that he whispers in our ear. Telling us that that is all that we are. But the blood of the lamb, the perfect sacrifice, doesn't just mask our sin. It doesn't just put something pretty over the top. It doesn't just cover the stench of that sin. It removes it, and it cleanses it, and it makes us right again. Some of you are getting nervous right now, I promise. I won't get carried away. My microphone's going to come. see, the incredible thing about the blood of Jesus is it doesn't just cover it. In fact, Scripture tells us that when Christ comes into our heart, he turns us into a new creation. It says the old has gone. It says he removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. I can't go that far, but I can get rid of this shirt, and I will never wear that shirt again. And it's a picture of what Christ has done for us. John 1, 7 says this, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But there's more. Here's the best part. He doesn't just leave us stripped of our sinfulness. Scripture tells us that he clothes us. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? I mentioned Luke 15 earlier. It's in that same chapter. It talks about this guy who, who walked away from his father, who, who disobeyed him, who ran away, who took his inheritance, who blew it all on wild living. And when he was at his end, he came back to his father. And he had this plan. He said, when I get home, I'm going to ask my dad, hey, I know I don't deserve to be part of your family. But would you just let me come back as a servant? At least I'd have food to eat. There's something there for me. The father saw him walking down the road, didn't even let him get to the door, ran to him, 
and met him, threw his arms around him, and he did four things. He threw him a party, he threw him a feast, killed the fatted calf, then he clothed him, he put sandals on his feet, he put a ring on his finger, and he put a robe on his shoulder. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 61.10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Isaiah pictures a robe of righteousness. That's what God clothes us in. We don't really wear robes that much, at least not in public anymore, right? So I have a different picture in my mind. I'm thinking a nice woolen sweater. This represents what Jesus does for us. He not only forgives our sin, but he clothes us in righteousness and makes us whole. And we're going to sing in just a second here and celebrate one more time. But as we close tonight, I want to give you an opportunity an opportunity to invite the Good Shepherd to be a part of your life, to ask him to be your Lord and Savior, to surrender your life and your heart to him. And as you leave today, we have a gift for you too. And I want to mention this is a little ornament, and it is actually carved out of olive wood, okay? So this is the real deal here. And it's a little shepherd with a sheep. Pretty cool, huh? And uh, Chris Bond uh, took these and he engraved WPC, West Point Church, 2022 in there. So you can take this and each family gets one of these. You can hang it on your, your tree at home as a memory of the shepherds and what they mean in the Christmas story. And we also have some candy canes back there for the kids because they pretty much look like a shepherd's staff and the kids should get something fun too. Uh, so make sure you grab one of those on your way out. You know, before we do that, I want to pray with you. I want to give you that opportunity. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come in my life. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if you would bow your head and close your eyes in this moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, I'd invite you to do that tonight. An opportunity to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that we would all pray it together. But if you're praying this for the very first time tonight, you're making that commitment and that decision to follow Jesus I'd ask that you tell somebody, that you let somebody know, whether it's tonight or the next day, so that they can walk with you and, and 
we want to walk alongside you in this journey as well. So would you just repeat after me? Heavenly Father, today I surrender my heart and my life to you. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need your help. I believe that your blood can cleanse me from my unrighteousness. So tonight, I place my trust in you, my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in that passage in Luke 15, when it talks about the lost sheep, and it talks about how Jesus goes after those sheep. He says in that passage that when that sheep is found, that it's like all of heaven rejoicing with God's people. It's rejoicing that that sheep has come home. And if you made that decision today, you made the best decision of your life. And we are celebrating and rejoicing with you and with all of heaven as well. We're going to finish tonight something traditional, something special that we do every year, and that's the candlelight service. So we're going to ask our, our candle lighters if you get ready to go. And it's tradition to sing the song Silent Night as we do this. Uh, and this is, a, this is a traditional German song. In fact, um, back in the day, they had an organ go out at this church in Germany on Christmas Eve. And so as they gathered together, they needed a song that they could sing without an organ. And so the guy who wrote this song, uh, he wrote this song as a song that you could sing with just a simple guitar. Now, I tried to look up where candlelight services came from and uh, there's no good answer to that apparently we don't really know exactly where they came from there's some guesses uh, but it's been a tradition that's been done in the church for hundreds of years and it's a, a really special thing and it's a representation of the light of Jesus Christ in our life that how one candle in a dark room can make all the difference. So I'm going to ask that we just pull all the lights down in this place. Isn't that amazing? What, what you can see with just the light of a candle and a projector. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, even better. Yeah. Isn't that cool? This is a picture of what the light of Christ in your life can look like as it spreads from person to person, just like it's been spreading in this room. We can light up the world around us because of what Christ has done. Let's stand and sing this amazing song. Oh, 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 oh,
thank you for the reminder of the shepherds of what they tell us about you and today we remember in this special night the moment where you came to this earth as a little baby lived a sinless life and died for us we rejoice in that truth today in Jesus name